harder and harder, uh, first of all, to even get somebody who wants to, to go on a mission field or uh, to, to get into the ministry and do stuff. It takes more and more of your time, and the world is, is trying to steal all the time it can from you. It's never going to stop, brother. I mean, I've been doing this for 65, 66 years, going on 67 now. Uh, it just doesn't stop. You can never learn enough. You can never gain enough. You can never get enough. You can never do that. It'll never happen. Uh, you say, well, I want to be like Elon Musk or one of them rich people, Bill Gates or whatever. Those are exceptions to the rules that I think has been brought into the system by Satan and allowed them to reach those pinnacles to control other things. There's other things going on that behind the scenes that we see. But for the masses, for us, he is trying to keep you from Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to do, keep you from serving. Take your Bibles. Take your Bibles. Go, go to 1 Peter 1.13. Uh, I was sitting there thinking about Christmas. Christmas, man, it's, everybody's getting this stuff. According to various sources, so there are, you got sources, you got so many sources out there, I don't know how to believe any of them. An estimated $90 billion worth of gifts are returned during the holiday seasons. Retailers are expecting 13.3% of the mer merchandise sold during the holiday season to be returned, uh, equating to an estimated cost of $101 billion. Uh, well, we really love Christmas stones, and people really love what you give them. And you know, you, I gotta, you spend all this time, I got, what are we going to get so-and-so? Uh, then they take it back. Uh, they, they don't care. Have you ever noticed at one point, $101 billion worth of stuff people don't care about? Uh, approximately $428 billion uh, are spent in holiday gifts uh, alone were returned last year. $428 billion was returned last year. Roughly one-third of all the people receiving gifts. That means you three on the front row. One of you three is a scuzz bag. Because <laughs> you're going to get something, and you're going to take it back. And you don't care, and you're going to lie to the person. They're going to say, how did you like it? And you're going, oh, it was nice. Well, that would be true until you took it back. Then after that, it's done. Roughly one-third of all the people, I could have went over here to the guys. But see, the, the coward that I'm talking about is not here. You two wouldn't have taken nothing back. But that third one knew that I was going to come to this side, so they just disappeared. Um, roughly one-third of all the people receiving gifts this Christmas will, return, uh, will be returning items. Uh, and, and that's it. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Uh, the gifts that are given uh, really are given to everybody around us, but it's, it's not given really to people uh, you don't really realize what it is. The gift, it doesn't mean that much to you. 1 Peter 1.13. 1 Peter 1.13. It's an old message I had. I, I pulled it out. If you heard it before, just, just, I like messages, man. I think they're great. I think, listen, old preachers are good. I think you, you can't ever get enough. You can't ever get enough of your Bible. If you ever think you got enough, you're, you're not going to get it. Wherefore, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope uh, to the end. Uh, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revealing of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance. Uh, see, the Bible calls people ignorant. It's close to being a moron. Uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if, and if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your soul journeying here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold 
from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb of God, uh, as the Lamb without blemish and without spot. Father, again, thank you for your many blessings tonight. I do pray that you bless the message. Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The greatest gift, the greatest gift ever given. I tell you what, this is one gift that has never been returned. I have never met anybody that could return it once you got it. It is, it is non-refundable. It is non-returnable. Uh, if you get it, you can't get it back. I, I, you can't give it back. I seen a guy one time, uh, I, I mentioned, told stories several times about Leffler, ET3 Leffler. He was on the USS Scott with me. He got saved. He was a Lutheran. And uh, uh, somewhere down the road, he, he was one of those first 13, 14 people to get saved. Uh, and he got, his mom and dad started coming down on him so hard, and which I didn't understand. His dad gave me a real nice Bible cover, had praying hands on it, leather. I mean, real nice uh, uh, leather work and all that other good stuff. But uh, Leffler, as soon as he got uh, home, his mom and dad started really coming down on him hard. And uh, so he, 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 was, he was torn in between all the stuff that was going on in his life and the Navy's life and his mom and dad. And, and, and I walked down the pier front of the piers. Pier's about as wide as this building, probably. Ships on that side of the pier, ships on that side of the pier. And I was walking down that side of the pier, and he was coming down this side of the pier. He stayed as far away from me as he could, almost to the edge of the pier, almost fell over in the ocean. And he kept saying, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never done that. I said, and I was like, done what? I wish I never got saved. I, and it, I knew it, it caused him a lot of trouble. Two weeks later, that boy was dead. That's the only, only case I've ever known in my life where somebody told me they wished they did not get saved, but he could not give it back. What he got was he got to go where it came from. And uh, I bet you the moment he got there, he probably said, Lord, I, I was stupid. <laughs> that's, that's up there where it says, as, as obedient children, not fashion yourself according to the former lust of your ignorance. Sometimes we get ignorant. Take your Bibles, go back to, uh, real quick, real quick, just a passage in Exodus 30. He makes a comment down there in verse 18, he says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. Uh, Exodus chapter 30. I'm talking about a gift tonight. This is Christmas time. And a gift that was given, if you've got it, it was a gift that was given that can't be returned. Uh, Jesus Christ, is, it's a non-return policy. It isn't going to happen. So when he gives it, he's very cautious who he gives it to. Uh, and it's a guaranteed uh, reception once you get it. There's no loss to it. Uh, 30.11, verse 11. Moses is sitting here, and the Lord's talking to him. He says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that, uh, that there be no plague among them, uh, when thou numberest, numberest them. These, uh, this they shall give, every one that passeth among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 gira. A half a shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone that passeth among them that are numbered from the uh, 20 years old and upward uh, and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less uh, than half a shekel when they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. You can't, it's only one price for that soul. 
No matter what you do, you can't work your way there. There's not enough. You can't do a whole bunch of stuff. It's only one thing that will ever get you there, and that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'd like to talk a few minutes tonight about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, It is precious, brother. I don't know about you, but when he said it with the, but with the precious blood of Christ as the Lamb of God, uh, Lamb without blemish and without spot. Boy, are you lucky tonight. You're lucky, ain't in the world. You're fortunate to be in a country that God put you in so you can be raised. You say, well, I'm not rich. You probably don't. I thank God all the time that I'm not rich. He knew, he knew that if he gave me that, I would probably mess up. So he didn't give it to me. He gave me, he gave me a passage in over in Proverbs that said, don't give me too much, don't give me too little. I don't want to curse you, and I don't want to get, uh, get lost. I don't want to go out of the way. I'm like, Lord, that's my passage. That's, that's exactly. I, I look at people and I say, well, you know, I, could, I wish, sometimes I say, I wish I could have been a greater preacher. Lord says, if you were, you'd have probably messed up. He said, don't you understand that? I got you right where I want to be. If you're right where you're supposed to be with me, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. I know what your future is, and I know what will cause you trouble and what won't. So I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. I said, man, I like that. Uh, Abel, in Genesis 4, I'm going to read a couple verses here. Don't go away. I'll read them. You don't even have to turn there. But Abel, uh, Abel 4.4. 4. No, Genesis 4.4. 4. I'll give you the verses. I like my Bible, man. It's a great book. It gets me all depressed because I just feel like I'm a mess. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the, the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. It was a blood offering. It's precious. In the Old Testament, the Lord started looking at that stuff. Uh, in uh, Abraham, uh, Genesis 22.8. Genesis 22.8. Just a couple verses, and then I'll go right through the message, and we'll do some prayer, and we'll go home. 22.8. Or you can stay here all night. And Abraham said, my son. Isaac was, went inside a mountain and said, good question. Father the wood. I mean, he made him carry, his son carry the wood up the side of the mountain, uh, just like Jesus carried the cross up the side of the mountain. He took him three days to a mountain. Jesus Christ went, went to a mountain. Uh, he got up on the top of that mountain. Uh, he laid uh, Isaac down on the wood, bound him up, laid him down on the wood. Jesus got laid down on the uh, cross. They said that they normally tie their arms to the cross and their feet to the cross before they drive the spike in. Abraham raised the, uh, the knife up to kill his son. And Isaac just asked a normal question. I mean, every young lad should. Inquiring minds want to know. Father, the offering. Father, where is the offering? I mean, you would think by now you would realize, hey, tag, you're it. Uh, you would think you would get that. Uh, but Abraham says, my, I like the way Abraham says, my son, I like my King James Bible, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And, Abraham, and Isaac never said a word as his dad did what he did to him, laid him down, do all the other stuff. Uh, he said, and then he looks over and here's a ram in the thickets. Now, brother, that's cutting it close. Uh, you know what God does sometimes? He cuts it close with you. He really, really puts you in a place where he wants you to see that you believe, you believe what he just said. It's not jailhouse religion. You know how many people say, cult, oh, that was jailhouse religion, or that was just, you're out in the ocean, that's sailor religion. Uh, once you get back on the shore, you won't be that way no more. That's not true. You know, if you ever really get a hold of the Lord, it'll change your life. It'll change that thing. Uh, Exodus 12, 5. Exodus 12, 5. And then I'm going to say a couple things and... And uh, it might take me the rest of the night, but hey, you got all, we, we'll, we'll be done before next year. I got a truck up here getting worked on, and I called a guy today and said, Tim, when are you going to work on my truck? He said, I'll do it this year sometime. 
I said, you ain't got much more of this sometime stuff to do. Exodus 12, 5. Moses, Moses is here and, and uh, he's talking and I like Moses, man. Moses, you know, these men of God, they're all real good guys. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and ye shall take it out of the sheep, out from the sheep, or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And that's exactly what happened. God gave you a man himself that came down here, and the whole congregation took him, and they killed him. And they shed his blood at Calvary. Most of them didn't even know what was going on when they did it. In 1828, there's a lady named, uh, actually, 1820, 18, uh, uh, Fanny Crosby was born. She was born blind. Well, six weeks after she was born, the doctor messed her eyes up, and, and she was blind. The very first poem that this woman ever wrote is this. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in the world, content I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. That's an eight-year-old girl. Now, brother, that's a, that's what I like. I'm gonna, I want to meet her when I get to heaven. I hope she's in between Job and Moses and Elijah right there somewhere where they're all together fellowshipping. I mean, she goes, I ain't going to do it, man. 54 years later, she wrote another song. This time it's a song. In, 1980, in 1882, she wrote, Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I was driving an hour down, an hour back, listening to my Bible. That's all I thought about was him. I didn't want to think about nothing else but him except that wacko crazy nut that got mad because I pulled out in front of him. I guess it was okay for him to get mad, but he messed up my talking to Jesus. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, whose lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. She never tried to give it back. The rest of her life, she kept it. It got better and better and better and better for her. She never tried to give it back. 9,000 songs later, she died. I don't know how, how soon she died after the 9,000 song. But they attribute 9,000 songs to that woman. And not once you ever find her ever regretting she got that gift. You know why that was? She knew that gift was precious. You know what's wrong with most of us? We've forgotten that it's precious. That is the most precious thing you will ever receive on this planet in, an, in eternity. Do you understand it? That is the single most precious thing of all. It's, it's beyond time. It's eternity. Is that blood that Jesus Christ shed at Calvary. 
Boy, I thank God he come up three days later. I thank God he did. But boy, if it wasn't for that blood he shed at Calvary on that cross that day, coming up three days later wouldn't have done me much good at all. Well, I'm telling you what, that blood, the blood he shed at Calvary is what did it. Peter says right there a couple things. He says it redeems. I like redemption. Uh, If you ever really realize how lost you are, you were. You were lost. You were undone. There was no cure for you in this world. There was no cure. There was no way outside of God himself doing what he did that you had a hope or a prayer. You, my brother-in-law passed away. Uh, he, hates, he hates me. He, hates, uh, he, he didn't want nothing to do with us because we're Baptists. It had really nothing to do with Baptists. It has to do with we're trying to live right. You know people hate you for trying to live right? They will get mad at you. They'll get offended at you for trying to live right. That doesn't mean you live like them. they live. Forget them. I don't need them. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep living right. And if I have to live by myself, I'll live by myself. It redeems. Colossians 1.4 says, In whom we have redemption. Through his blood. And brother, I'm talking about a gift. If you're in here tonight and you were saved, you received something. You ought to think back. You ought to be thinking right about now. When did I get saved? Exactly what took place when I got saved. Boy, I think about that. You know, Elijah over there on top of that mountain, and, and he puts all them rocks and everything there, and the works of the hand and the flesh and all that. So he has to do all that stuff, and he stacks all that stuff there, and and, and then he puts the water all around the barrels of water, and he puts the offering, cuts it all up, and lays it on there. Then he starts praying, and lo and behold, that fire shoots down. It just drops down out of heaven, and it licks up the, the, the meat and the rocks and, and, I mean, the dirt. It left. It took everything. The water took everything, man. It was just like bone dry when he got done. And I thought about that, and I thought about that. I said, Lord, you know, there was a day I sat on my back porch, and I trusted you. And I said, I threw everything on that altar in my heart. I could. That I was... I said, Lord, this is wrong. I'm lost. I'm undone. And I'm telling you, the fire came out of heaven. And when he got done that day, my heart was just as clean as it possibly could be. Probably that was the cleanest it'll ever be in my entire life was at that moment. But there was such a thing relieved and a realization received that I knew he had done something in my life. I don't know. I didn't understand all the stuff, but I mean, I went to bed and had the best night of sleep. I didn't think he'd want no part of me, but I went to bed and had the best night of sleep. Uh, there was a burden lifted that, that I didn't really realize was completely gone to about three weeks until I realized some of the things in my life had started going away. And then I started crying. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, I mean, I was a big guy back then. And I was bawling my eyeballs out. I mean, I, was, I realized that something had disappeared out of my life. It was called wickedness and sin. Well, the sin was still there. But there was something that happened that he sealed my soul until the day of redemption. And all of a sudden, that thing started flooding me. And I'm starting to realize, and I'm like, what was that? <laughs> what did you do? It redeems. He redeemed me. I heard an old man say one time, he said, it's like a, a guitar in a pawn shop. He said, you can take it to the pawn shop, you put money on. The devil's got you, man. He had you. He had you. You're in the devil's pawn shop hanging on the wall, man. He's got you. And unless somebody comes in with the right price, you ain't coming out of there. I went to a pawn shop downtown, and that base right there, man, this base right here, this is a cool base. I like this, but every time I look at this base, I don't think of it as Jerry. I think about this base. It didn't have a neck on it when I got it. It didn't have that on it when I got it. The bridge wasn't there. It was this thing right here, and this was laying off to the side, and the, ba- the bridge was gone. And I didn't even know it was there. I walked in the pawn shop. It was a little pawn shop. 
and it was just some things around guitars, electric, all the electric stuff. And the guy at the pawn shop looked at me and says, son, what are you looking for? I said, ah, you ain't got it. It wasn't very big. It probably wasn't much bigger than that closet right there. I mean, the pawn shop probably wasn't much bigger than this platform on both sides. I said, you ain't got what I want. He says, oh, yeah. He said, well, what do you want? He tried me. I said, I'm looking for an upright bass. I said, I ain't got one yet, and I need one. And I said, I need, I need, I need a bass. He said, you know, I got one of them in the back. I said, you ain't got one in the back? And he goes out and brings me this bass out, and it's all in pieces. And he goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, what's that? He said, you give me 600 bucks, and I'll take that bass, and I'll send it to a Luther. When he said Luther, that got my ear. Because uh, Luther's a guy who actually works on string stuff. He's not just an instrument repair shop. It's a Luther. I mean, that's a profession. I said, okay. I said, uh, 600 bucks. He goes, yeah. I said, uh, I'll come back. So I looked inside here. I can do this since this is sitting here right now. This is a, uh, it is a, uh, I can't read upside down. <laughs> it's an Engelhart, and it's a, uh, it's, it's a Model C1. And I didn't think too much about it. So around the corner, there was a music college downtown there. And Cross said a guy had old instruments like this that he rented to the thing. And I went over there, and I just said, hey, you know, I got a question for you. He goes, yeah. I said, I, I was looking at this Engelhart. His ear kind of perked up. I said, it's a C1. And the guy said he would sell it to me for 600 bucks, but the neck is off. And he goes, son, he goes, go get that and bring it here right now like it is, and I'll give you $1,500 for it. So I did what any, you know, I'm a woohoo kind of guy. I get back in my car, I drive back over there, I give that sucker 600 bucks. And I said, I want that bass. Is that not one of the best basses you've ever played? I want to play two. Was it the best one? <laughs> the answer is yes, man. You don't have to go with two. We could have made everybody think you played hundreds and thousands, and that's the best one. <laughs> That thing right there, man, God gave us. You know what, you know what I did? I redeemed that thing. And I had to pay the money. I had to go find it. And I went to a lot of pawn shops before I found that sucker. I went to a lot of places before I could find that thing. And when I found it and found out how much, then I want to go say, was it worth redeeming? You know, the Lord thinks you're worth redeeming. That's why, that's why. That's why down through history, he knew exactly what he was going to do and die on that cross for you. The precious blood of Christ. You ever thought about how precious your salvation really is? Brother, I'm telling you what it is, precious. I like it. It redeems the, who, who we have, whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Brother, I, you know, I'm a wicked devil. And I do things wrong all the time. And I know, I know, I know at any given moment in life, I'm ready for a spanking. I really am. Uh, I, I'm like, Lord, you know, I, me and you both know I deserve a spanking. I deserve a spanking. Probably being knocked halfway across the universe is what I need. But I sit here and look at this thing. I said, but I know that you forgive sins. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is fair or not. I mean, really, it isn't. But I know that you're full of mercy and grace. And it's not that I'm just coming to you because I just want to go continually sin. But no, I mess up from time to time. And I'm like, Lord, I know, I know what you've said. I know what you've said. You said you would forgive. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. That's what you said. I didn't say that. You said that. And I'm claiming it. Boy, you know how precious that blood is? 
Do you ever stop and think what this world offers you compared to that? Zero, nothing. Never compares. Never. It justifies. Romans 5, 8. But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, much more than being, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You think you're going to go through the tribulations? There's some people out there, they're idiots, man, teaching that you're going to go into some part. We think, no, that's because you don't believe God. You don't want to trust God. He says, I am not going to be sent through wrath. There's no wrath. No, much more being saved from wrath. I'm already saved from hell. I'm saved from wrath. He's not going to put me through anything. It gives you peace. You got peace tonight? I do. Boy, I tell you what, I got all kinds of peace. I'm happy. Romans 5.1. Therefore being, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. You know where the peace comes from? It isn't just saying, I'm a Christian. I got saved. I got saved. I'm just going to go on live my life. That's not, that, you won't get peace that way. You know how you get peace? You start living what you just got. And you start trying to find that thing. And he starts blessing that thing. And you start giving more. Than that, and then you go back and forth. And pretty soon you start getting the peace of God that passes all. It doesn't make no sense. I look at this world sometimes. I'm like, what is going on with you morons, idiots out there? You're crazy. They don't have what I have. I hear, I talk to Christians. Have you ever talked to a Christian that don't have what you have? I talk to some of you that way sometimes. Hmm. But no, some of the guys you talk to, they're just as saved as you are. They know, just, they know Jesus probably just as well as you do, but they've never walked with him really. And this world takes them out of the way, little by little on the side over here, where they start thinking everything in the world, it's okay. It's okay if we do this. Well, what will happen is a group of Christians will say, it's okay if we do this. Another group will say, it's okay if we do this. And pretty soon for you to even have any fellowship, now you're going to accept what they do. They're going to accept. Now you've got a whole bunch of other stuff in there that you've got to accept. I just hate it all, man. I think you should hate everything. <laughs> uh, it is, man. This technology will kill you. Te technology is the worst thing in the whole wide world. I heard uh, Andrew said something Sunday night I thought was phenomenal for a young man to say. He, goes, I, he said, I'm stuck like right here in the middle uh, there's these old people down here that I know they know some stuff that I, I, can, I have just touched on. And then I see all the stuff coming on. He goes, but these young people up in here, this is all they're seeing. And they don't understand. That stuff with Fanny Crosby, why aren't these new hymnals that they have where you just sing the chorus is okay? Why, isn't that, why aren't they okay? The new, the new young people think they're Okay. The drum set up here, the full drum set, that's okay. The blackened uh, uh, fellowship hall, the, the auditorium, that's okay. Why? Because they don't know nothing about the old stuff. They know nothing about Fanny Crosby living 90 years blind, singing to God. She doesn't know, they don't know about all the people that she hung out with. You know why Fanny Crosby wrote all those 9,000 songs? Because the people she hung out with kept her straight. She didn't hang out at a bar. A football game, some stadium, some golf course. No, she hung out in some church somewhere with a bunch of people with pianos, man, playing songs for her. She found people who could write music, and she wrote words for the music. That's what she spent her 90 years on. You know you're going to spend your time on something. And you got to convince yourself that what you're spending it on is right. I have to all the time say, Lord, I could have made a lot of money, maybe. I mean, I think I could have made a lot of money. That doesn't necessarily mean I would have. But I think I'd done the right thing. And I keep saying, I've only got one life to live. 
Only one life will soon be passed. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ, only one life. So it doesn't matter if you make a billion dollars or you don't make anything. Your life is still going to be spent the same amount of time or however much time you have. And then it's over and you can't take none of that with you. The only thing you can take with you is, is what you've already sent over. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, i got to keep that in mind. i got to keep that in mind. This is more important than everything else. This is, I don't care what anybody says. I've heard people say, you need to, go, you need to do this, and you're a moron, and you're this. Well, they, I said, their observation, I, I appreciate their observation. They're absolutely right. Compared to Jesus Christ, we all are. It gives peace. But, you know, I got the peace. The Lord say, yeah, but, Mike, one of these days you're going to take your last breath. Boy, when you do. <laughs> he goes, you are not going to believe what you're getting ready to see the moment you take your last breath. I've been looking for that my whole life. You're looking for the day Jesus Christ comes back. I hope he comes back and gets us out of here with a rapture. I prefer that more than anything else. But are you, looking, are you really looking for him to come back? Is that what you, from the time you wake up in the morning, somewhere during out, throughout the day, several times during the day, do you think of that at all? Or does the world consume so much of your mind? That's where peace comes in. You know what peace of God that passes all understanding? None of this that stuff out here that the world gives makes any sense at all. Billions and billions and billions of years ago. That's foolish. First of all, nobody's been around billions and billions and billions of years. And there's no possible way this thing could have even survived billions and billions of years. But that's another story. It saves. Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But being much more justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Saved, saved, it saves. It redeems, it justifies. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else does this. It is the best gift you will ever get. It is the best gift you ever got. It keeps giving year after year after year after year after year. You know why people get depressed? Because they start thinking about themselves instead of Jesus Christ. Well, the world is treating, no, the world doesn't treat you any better than what you need to be. You really, you, what treatment we deserve is hell. But God gives us grace and he gives us mercy. And he gives you an opportunity to say, well, Lord, this wasn't a very good day. Tomorrow's going to be another one. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And you wake up the next morning, guess what? You got a chance to do it all over again. You can mess that one up or you can try to make it right, whichever way you want to do it. I like, I like it, man. You get up in the morning, come here this morning. I got here about 8.30 this morning, and uh, Brother Brian's already here working. And we're talking bad about Mike, because Mike, Mike ain't here. Whoever isn't here gets talked about bad. I mean, it's just, just, so if you don't want, the rest of you all out here, yeah, Rich, you get it in there too, man. I mean, you get it, because you're not, anybody, if you show your face around here at all, then you get talked bad about, because you're not here with the rest of us uh, working. And, but just remember, when, when one of us isn't here and you're here, you can talk bad about us. Ask Jake. Jake comes in every now and then. He gets to talk bad about everybody. He's learning. We're teaching that young man how to do it the right way. <laughs> it redeems, it justifies, it gives peace, it saves, it blots out sin, Colossians 2.13. You know what? You know what you got to get in your life is that you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of glory of God. It never goes away. For the rest of your life, your flesh is still active as it possibly can be. But you know what the Lord gave me? In 1980, 43 years ago, on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky, he gave me a gift that's better than any bottle of Mr. Clean ever was. He gave me salvation. Then he gave me the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it took for me to get saved. But I didn't understand how well. I used to work on cars when I was a kid. I'd have my Levi's. 
And I'm telling you what, man, you guys are crazy. Go out and buy them blue jeans with holes in them. That's stupid. I pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a pair of blue jeans with holes in it. Uh, I, I would wear holes in my blue jeans. I had Levi's. I, all, the, all my clothes were Levi's. I mean, it was Levi's. I didn't wear nothing. I didn't wear no Wrangler. I didn't wear nothing like that. I wore all Levi's. My mom gave me credit cards. I had more credit cards. My mom really took care of me. I had more credit cards in my pocket as a kid than most people have today. And I'm sitting there going, I could buy anything I wanted, Converse, anything I wanted, I could go buy. And I'd get my blue jeans, and I'd wear them suckers out, and I'd go out. My Levi's, I'd go out there work in cars and get grease all over them. I'd take it home, bless my mom's soul. Uh, she'd get Mr. Clean. And, man, I'm telling you what, Mr. Clean is some of the best stuff you ever seen in your life. It would get the grease out. And I'd wear those blue jeans at school the next day. And, and I mean, you could never tell it when she got that up. You can get that. You know what the blood of Jesus Christ does? It gets it out, man. And, and, but I didn't know that stuff was there. Thank God I had a mom that knew about Mr. Clean. Thank God I have a Bible and a Lord that knows about the blood of Jesus Christ, what it'll do. It'll save. It'll blot out sin. He said, and you being dead in sin and in the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all, all, all. All, all trespasses. Well, there's a day when I got saved and he circumcised my soul and my flesh apart from each other and my spirit and soul was over here sealed over in Ephesians 1, 13 through 18, sealed into the day of redemption. That thing over here is sinless. I like over in John, 1 John, where it says, and uh, you, you cannot sin. That bothered me for a long time until I really figured out what that was. I said, that's this. This thing right here can never sin. Ever. Now, the flesh over here is another thing. You know what he did? He gave you a bottle of Mr. Clean to get rid of that stuff. It's called the blood of Jesus Christ. It's Mr. Jesus. It's Lord Jesus, his blood. And he got all of it you need, man. The blood of Jesus. I mean, his blood, one, one small little smidgen of it. It isn't even a smidgen. Just the thought of it, it cleans. If you confess your sins, you know what? If you don't get a hold of that, your life will be miserable because you'll let this world get you and something will get you and then pretty soon you think you're the failure. You're not the failure. Sin is the problem and the devil's the one putting it there and you got to get over it and understand, hey, I'm going to mess up. And when I do, what do I do? Boy, that's a great... 1980, I've had a gift for 43 years. You stop and think about this. What gift have you ever been given in your life? that you still have to this day, that you use every day. You ever thought about that? I can't think of one. Not one. I'm 66 years old, and I can't think of one gift anybody's ever given me that I still use to this day, other than Jesus. What he gave me on that back porch every day of my life, that's the most precious thing in my life, man. I mean, it is great. It blots out sin. It draws, it draws us now to God, Ephesians 2.12. And that at, at the time you were without Christ. Well, 1980, I was without him. He was there. He was on the outside, but he wasn't inside. I, just like that, we read about that little guy. Saul, Saul. Is that, is that Spanish? Why don't they just say Saul, man? I guess we're all a bunch of hillbillies. <laughs> they, they say it right. Dr. Rubman always hated uh, Alexander Scorby because he's English. Well, Dr. Rubman's German. 
And I, I always wonder, I said, why do you hate him? I mean, I mean, you would think that a German, an English guy could read an English Bible better than a German guy could read the English Bible. And, uh, but he just hated him because he was, I don't like the way he reads the Bible. I love the way he reads the Bible. That's because I'm English. He's not. He's German, man. That's your problem, man. You lost the war. Sorry, can't help you. <laughs> You're on the wrong side. No, he was actually on the right side, but, uh, but, but the country was on the wrong side. It draws us nine to God, Ephesians 2.12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. See, aliens ain't nothing new. It's nothing new. God's the alien to us. We are aliens to him. There are aliens. Is there life out there? Yeah. His name is Jesus Christ. Michael the archangel's out there too, and Gabriel's out there too. And behold, they're coming again. There's some horses out there. <laughs> Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You ever remember being without it, man? I do all the time. I, I remember crying myself to sleep. I'd listen to Pink Floyd, sitting there listening to I'd listen to rock, man. I'd listen to yes, all them. And I'm, my mind is out in space somewhere, and I'm sitting there going, where's, where's, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I was just always looking. I just never found nobody who could tell me what it was. And I knew there was something more, and you'd hear it in that music. I think there's so many people in this world that are listening to music, and music draws, because that's what the devil uses. But the Lord can use that stuff too, and he can get you through all that stuff. And he did me. He got me through that thing. And one of these days, that's why I think these things are precious. Because that music right there, it touches the soul. That other music was just fleshly. But the soul was looking for something, and I was looking at it through the flesh, and the Lord had to walk me through the flesh to get to a place where the soul came in. And he says that having no hope, I had none. And without God in the world. I knew of him, but I didn't have him. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off. You weren't just off. You were far off. You were so far off that if anything would happen, you'd have dropped and went right into hell and been there for all eternity. Until he picked you up and dropped you out into the lake of fire, and there you would have been second death all eternity. But he, but he finishes that up. He goes, he goes but now in, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes are far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Boy, that blood is precious. You're talking about precious, something precious. 43 years, going on 44 I like it when you talk to some of these old saints, just like Fanny Crosby. Uh, she got saved. I think she got saved at a very, very young age. I don't know exactly how early it was, but died at 90. I mean, you're looking at a young lady, 80 years being saved and trying to serve Jesus Christ. I'm sure she had her bad days, but you know what she did? She always kept Jesus right in the center of that thing. And now, and now she sees like you never saw before. And she's out there having a great time like she never had it before. And I'll tell you another thing. I, I'll bet, I'll bet, as happy as you are down here, it won't really probably change a whole lot when you get there. If you're really serving him and loving him down here. If you don't do what you should do down here, it's going to change a whole lot for you when you get there. But those who are trying to actually serve him down here, I'm telling you what, you know what you actively doing that? You're doing that because you want to do that. And one of these days you'll cross that line and you'll just, it'll be there. And you'll be right where you were always headed anyways. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but I'll tell you what I'm having. It purges us. Hebrews 9, 12. <coughs> Two more and I'm done. Hebrews 9, 12. Neither by the blood of goats and of calves, 
but by his own blood he entered into the into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. That blood would have done you absolutely no good at all just laying on the ground at Calvary 2,000 years ago. When, when Jesus Christ, you ever read your Bible? Jesus come up out of the tomb. Mary Magdalene is sitting there. Everybody else is done, gone. Why would he appear to Mary first before anybody else? Because she wanted him. She was there looking for him. She didn't let nothing get him out of the way. There was others that came in and they left. Mary stayed there, never left. You know what the key to this thing is? Is staying there and never leaving until you come and get what you... You know what she's looking for? The body of Jesus. You know what she found? The body of Jesus. You know what she didn't do? Quit until she saw it. Tell me where it's at. I'll go get it. I bet you Jesus was chuckling. <laughs> The two angels were probably sitting there holding back, man. He said, he, they, before Mary got, Jesus probably said, okay, guys, look, Mary's coming. She's going to be here in a few minutes. I know the end from the beginning. I already tell you, I'm going to tell you what the storyline's going to be here. And she's going to be sitting there crying, and we're just going to watch her. And don't, not a single one of you hand her a hanky. I don't want you to hand her a letter. Just do her thing. And you watch. And she's going to sit there and start talking to y'all about where that body's at. And I'm going to be right behind her, and she's not going to know it. But I'm going to be right there. This is going to be something we're going to have for all eternity. This is going to be cool. Now, you mess this up, and you two are going, probably going right to hell, too. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and them two angels sitting there probably just, Mary's <laughs> sitting there, where's the body? Where's the body? <laughs> and he's right behind her. And he goes, Mary turns around, and she goes, Master, Rabboni. And he says, touch me not yet. You know what Christ hadn't done at that point? He had not taken that blood to the throne room in heaven where he needed to take it. And he did not walk to the altar where he sh that the priest had done for thousands of years. And he had not walked in there and, and put it on the altar before God to make that thing final, complete. You know how precious that blood is? Sometimes we forget with the, the commotion and everything else and all the rigmarole and everybody taking stuff back and doing this and doing that and and running around and Christmas and gifts and buying for everybody else. And we really forget that the greatest gift that was ever given to us was by him. Amen. The best part about that, well, it's all great. There's, a, there's not any one part about it, but have you ever felt like you were just not worthy? You're just a mess. First John 1 said, take your Bibles, go to First John, and we'll, uh, we'll stop right here. I like my Bible. It's a simple, this is simple stuff, brethren. But this will keep you going. It'll keep you alive. Verse 4, 1 John 1, 4 says this, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You know why you don't have joy tonight? You're looking for something else to give you joy. And if something goes wrong with that something else, your car breaks down, this happens, that happens, this happens, uh, you lose your joy. Uh, I went into, I had this charger, a battery starter thing or up, thing or up or man, you're supposed to start diesel trucks. And me and Beth was flying down to... Uh, I mean, this trip down to, uh, to Gallatin or Galveston, Texas, or down to actually Austin to pick up his truck, it started out completely bad. I had this battery charger that, or actually it was a car starter. I paid like 140, 50 bucks for this thing. And, and uh, so I go through customs a couple times, not customs, but the line there at the airport, Cincinnati, never said any word to me about it. But this, this guy one day said when I went through there with this thing, because I needed it in case I got down and the truck wouldn't start. And, and it starts off right there and he goes, uh, you can't take this through 
I said, I can't. He goes, they all let me do it before. He goes, you can't. I'm like, why? And he goes, because you can't remove the, the, the clamps from the unit. If you could remove and separate the two, you'd be okay. And I was almost just got a pair of pliers or something. I could cut them. And he made me throw that thing away. And I'm sitting there going, this is going to be a bad trip. <clears throat> and I sit there and lost the thing. But I didn't lose my joy. And then we got down there and I seen the truck. And I'm like, boy, I said, Beth's going to be awful mad at me. I said, but I still didn't lose my joy. And me and Beth drove, drives this thing back and it whirls at us all the way back home. Just whoo, you think it's going to block up or blow up or something? She's laughing, she knows it's true. And isn't that the truck that would die on us? I mean, when we pulled up to, yeah, we pulled up to like a red light. Yeah, three or four times on the way back, we'd be, she'd be driving down the road, and it'd just die. And then we'd pull off the side of the road, it'd start right back up. And I mean, we only got 1,200 miles to go. I mean, it's not like it's around the corner or something. And uh, I'm sitting there going, Lord, I'm just not going to lose my joy. And then we get over and that young kid gets saved. Three, four, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 seconds in an elevator. I'm like, Lord, that's worth it, man. If I lose every stinking dime on that truck, that kid getting saved is worth every dime of it. How much in your lifetime, no matter what you do to get a soul in heaven? I was walking, uh, I had a stack of chick tracks. I, I had to stop at Lowe's Charm and find some stuff for the apartments back here on the way down. I said, well, why waste time? I'll, I'll go down through here and stop at all these Lowe's. And I was passing out chick tracks all over the place. And I, I come across this one guy and I hand him a track. He, he looked at the back and he says, You're not, are you Mike? I said, yeah, I'm Mike. And he goes, you're doing a good thing. I said, well, there's nothing good on it, one. And he goes, yeah, but you're still doing a good thing, man. He says, you're putting the gospel out. And that's what this world needs. And I seen this lady coming down through there with this frown on her face. I said, here's another. I said, you know what you need is the greatest story ever told. And I gave it to her. She started smiling. And then I go all the way back, and then here's this guy back here at the, at the, where I was looking for stuff in Lowe's, and he's got this hat on, CPO, United States Navy. I'm like, oh, man, if I, I start talking to him, I'll never get out of here. He's, I know he's got stories, and he's going to tell me his stories, and I'm going to tell him my stories. And I said, oh, you were in the Navy. He goes, yeah. I said, what part of the Navy were you in? I was a sub-sailor. Oh, no, man. I said, I got stories about sub-sailors. And, and, uh, and he, I said, well, what was your rate? He goes, I was an ET. I, you got to be joking me. I said, when did you go in? He goes, 1981. I said, that's when I went in. I went in 19, at the end of 1980. I said, we're a couple months apart. We was probably in boot camp up there together. And we sit there and started talking back and forth, and I handed him one of my gospel tracts, and he took that thing and started reading it. And there was another guy sitting there I didn't have no more. I said, man, that's the last one I got. I said, maybe you two could stop and sit here and read it together or something. And, I'm, and the, guy, the guy that's sitting there talking, the third guy pops in, and he goes, well, my son's in the Coast Guard. I didn't say knee-deeps. You're a bunch of knee-deeps. I said, but water is water, and that's okay. Well, it's better than, than tents out on the side somewhere, or an airplane, flying through the sky. It cleanses. It goes on right here. He says, and these things write we unto you that your joy might be full. You know what getting a walk with Jesus Christ does? It help, you have to get the sin out of your life to do it. You have to move it on. It doesn't mean you're going to get rid of everything. You're never, you have to be honest with yourself and saying, hey, I blew it. Lord, let me get this thing under the blood. Because he goes on. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you. We're getting ready to start another year. If you're going to be here next year, the way you are right now, you better get this thing down. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, don't lie. 
with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all, all sin. You know how you get clean? Jesus. That blood he's offered for 43 years, that is the best gift I've ever had in my entire life. I'll carry that to my grave, the best gift I've ever had. When I talk to other Christians, and they got it, and they know they got it, and they're availing their life to that, you know what they'll say? That's the best thing that ever happened to him. I have, I have looked at people down through time for the last 43 years, and Dr. Rutman, you start getting him to talk about Jesus Christ, and he never, you know what I loved about his preaching? i never seen Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. You know when I hear people say, well, he was married three times. He was this. He was that. He was this. You weren't looking at what he was saying. You were looking at him. You know what I was looking at? What he was saying. And he kept talking about a friend of mine. And every message he ever read, every, I don't care how many times I heard him preach a message. I don't care if I heard him preach it 30 times. Every single time, it was about my friend. How much could you hear about Jesus before you get tired of hearing about Jesus? You know, it's a heart thing. And what it is, is knowing the gift that was given you and what it cost to get that gift. He had to make a universe to give you that gift. You talking about wrapping a package? You talking about wrapping a package? We put go to all that. People go out and spend all this money on that stuff, and they tear it all up. And, you know, one of these days, he's going to tear it all up, too. But it's his package. But he, he made a universe to wrap that package in. And he put the stars and the galaxies. They still marvel out there as how many billions of gal- galaxies are in this universe. Billions of them. They marvel. Science marvels at that. He wrapped that thing with that, that galaxy, he wrapped that earth around that thing, and it's all wrapped around it. And then one day, he put a, an atmosphere here, and he put Adam and Eve out here. That, that's all a day's worth of work, by the way. Then six days later, he finishes that thing. He said, I am finished. And he sits down, and he rests. And brother, I mean, it's, it's, we are at the edge of this thing. And he's got the best gift in the whole wide world packaged and ready to be unveiled in your life if you just take it. Well, I took that thing in 1980, and it just got better and better and better. And better. There's days I don't feel like doing anything. But, boy, there's other days where I, I said, Lord, just passing a single gospel track out that could change somebody's life. You never know what it's going to change. It may not change anything. You don't know that. But I tell you one thing I do know is that if anybody can change it, Jesus can. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for letting us come to church. Lord, we're in between Christmas and New Year's couple days, Lord, the uh, time is going to be up, and we're going to start another year. Lord, I don't know what the next year holds for us or anyone in this room, but I do know uh, that you're going to be there the whole year if you tarry. Uh, Lord, that we can depend on you for always being there, and I just want to thank you for being there. What a blessing that is. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, uh, just giving us a gift that, that lasts and, and we can avail for our whole lives uh, like Fanny Crosby did, Lord. What a blessing that is. Lord, we pray that you be the prayer service here for the next couple of minutes, and then, Lord, be the fellowship. And then, Father, again, if there's anybody in the room that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that you touch their hearts, Lord. Show them that their, their need for a Savior, they need to get saved. And, Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, that uh, we got the greatest gift that, that never stops giving, and that's the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
uh, blessed now, and we'll praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, we uh, take a